My name is John Bellis. I'm the lead pastor up at our Alpine Logan campus. I'm excited to be down here today. And if you're here for the first time, I just want to say again how grateful we are that you chose to worship with us. We hope you feel welcome. We hope you feel right at home. The last time I was down here to teach in Layton, we were kicking off a new sermon series that was titled Jesus in Genesis. And it just so happens that today we're kicking off a new sermon series as well. This one is titled Getting Right with God and Money. Did you feel that? Could you tell the atmosphere in the room changed just a little bit? Did you squirm maybe or did you tense up when I said God and money? See, the reality is for many of us, it's uncomfortable to talk about God and money. And in fact, if you're here for the first time today, you might even be thinking, this is why I don't come to church. Because they always want to talk about money. This is where the pastor is going to ask me for money. Well, I can assure you guys, we're not talking about money because I want something from you. We're talking about this, guys, because in reality, I want something for you. I want you to live that full and abundant life that Jesus said he came to give us. And I know if we don't have the right mindset about money, it's almost impossible to live that kind of rich and satisfying life. And so the goal of this series isn't to shame you into giving more money to the church. The goal of this series is to take an honest look at what God's word says about money. Because that's going to give us the right mindset. And that's going to lead to freedom to joy, to satisfaction. Because just like in every other area of our lives, when it comes to money, God knows what is best for us and God wants what is best for us. And this series is going to be so applicable because every one of us deal with money in some way or another. Now, you might be in a position right now where you have more than you need and you don't have financial struggles. Or maybe you're just kind of barely making ends meet, or maybe you're on the verge of losing it all, or anywhere in between. No matter where you are on that scale, money is very powerful to us, isn't it? And whether you spend extravagantly or whether you squeeze every penny so tight that Lincoln has a migraine, money is powerful in our lives. And if you wonder why we're talking about it at church, I would just ask you to consider how often Jesus talked about it. How often the Bible talks about it. Do you know there are over 2,000 verses in the Bible that address money or possessions? So if God talks about it that much, we should listen and we should be willing to talk about it. So let's just take a real quick look about where we're going in this series. Today we're going to talk about getting the right mindset. The right mindset is so important. When I said I want something for you, I genuinely meant that. That I want you to have the joy and the freedom that comes with the right mindset about money. I would say chances are pretty good that most of you make more money than I do. In fact, if you have two income earners in your household, I can almost guarantee it. And I don't say that to complain. Alpine is very generous. I still pinch myself that I get paid anything to tell people about Jesus and help people pursue God. But in the last 25 years, I can count on one hand how many times I've worried about money. Now, sure, I complain about the price of gas from time to time. My son just had shoulder surgery, and I may have wondered out loud how a five-minute follow-up appointment could cost hundreds of dollars. But as far as really worrying about money... 
as far as losing sleep over it or arguing with my wife over it. It just doesn't happen. And I want that for you. How many of you want the peace and freedom that comes with that? And I don't say that to brag, guys. I know that the only reason I have that is because God in His grace has given me the right mindset about money. And it leads to joy and it leads to freedom. Now next week we're going to talk about attacking your debt. Because just like the broader topic of money, the Bible has a lot to say about debt. And we're going to wrap up the final week and talk about the gift of giving. So that's kind of where we're headed in the series. Let's go ahead and jump in and look at our first point for today. And that is that if wealth is our primary pursuit in life, our mindset is fundamentally flawed. But that certainly seems to be the world's mindset, right? That's what culture teaches us, that wealth should be our primary pursuit, that more is better. That if we want to be really happy, it's about having the nicer house or the cooler vacations or a better lifestyle. So keep working, keep striving, keep getting more. Do whatever it takes to have the bigger house, the bigger 401k, the nicer car, or the bigger boat. See, from a very young age, we're pounded with the idea to make all the money that we can. But guys, if wealth is our primary pursuit, our mindset is fundamentally off. That's what God's Word teaches us. When it comes to riches and wealth in the Bible, many of us probably think of King Solomon, right? I mean, this was the guy that was so wealthy, other leaders from around the world came to see the fortune that he had accumulated. So if anybody can give us some wisdom and insight on riches and wealth, it's probably King Solomon. And here's what he had to say about wealth in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 10 and 11. He says, those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. So what good is wealth? Except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers. So Solomon, one of the richest and wisest men who has ever lived, says, if you think that money is going to make you fulfilled and content, you're mistaken. You've got the wrong mindset. Now, I want to make sure we're clear. Money itself isn't a bad thing. Wealth isn't a bad thing. In fact, sometimes wealth is a very good thing. But anytime we make something other than God the main thing, that's idolatry. That's sin. And with money, for so many people, they just can't seem to get enough. Right? When you love money, the gap between more and enough never closes. When that gap never closes, it leads to destruction. Here's how Paul describes it in 1 Timothy chapter 6. He says, But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. So again, Paul's not saying money itself is the issue. Money itself isn't the issue. It's the action words we see associated with it. Words like longing to be rich, loving money, or craving money. 
And then those actions lead to other actions that we see here, right? Actions like plunging them into ruin, piercing themselves with many sorrows, wandering from the true faith. And that's nothing that's new for our generation. This has been happening ever since money has been around, right? That's why Jesus talked about it so much. It was a big problem in his day too. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6. He said, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. One of the things that that he's pointing out there is that money can actually be a rival God in our lives. It actually competes for God's lordship in our life if we're not careful. And he says that when we're enslaved to money, we can't serve God. At least we can't serve him the way that he's calling us to serve him. See, when money is our primary focus, when we learn to depend on it and what it can do for us, instead of depending upon him, we're heading down a bad path. So if the pursuit of wealth isn't life's primary goal, then what is? Well, I believe simply it is to know God and to make him known. I think that's why we're here. Listen on as Paul continues to talk about this idea of wealth. Again, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. He says, Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. The greatest wealth any of us could ever have is to be in relationship with the living God. And He desires that for us. See, when we can be content with what God has given us and with where God is working in our lives, where He has us in our lives, everything else becomes secondary. And we have that full and abundant life that Jesus talked about because we begin to trust Him. And we begin to see that our value and our satisfaction and even our identity is not in our money, but it's in God Himself. So guys, I just want to make sure you understand this, that God is not anti-wealth. God is anti-temporal wealth. He wants you to have wealth in eternity, right? Where moth and rust don't destroy and where thieves don't come in and steal. He doesn't want you to just have wealth here on earth because in the grand scheme of things, wealth here on earth is gone just like that. He wants you to have riches that last for forever. And when I see Paul talk about contentment, I know it can be tempting to think, Well, I would be content if I had just a little bit more. I would be content if I had what my neighbors had. Like, you know, you don't understand, John. I don't want to be rich. I'm not asking you to win the lottery or anything like that. I just want to have as much as they have. And if I had that, then I would be content. Guys, that comparison game is a vicious cycle. It's a cycle that the enemy wants to put you in. And that brings us to our next point, that playing the comparison game with finances is a dead-end road. See, in today's world, we're always comparing ourselves with others. And with technology, we have this opportunity to see glimpses into the lives of our friends, of our family, even celebrities with just the push of a button, right, through social media, television, the internet. 
And unfortunately, with all this information, all these glimpses into the lives of others and the activities that they're enjoying and the new goodies that they're eating to buy, we feel left out. And we feel like, man, I just wish I had as much as they do. And we do it so often, we don't even think twice. But guys, that's not just a bad habit. That is sin. Let's call it what it is. That is breaking the 10th commandment. Thou shalt not covet. See, God in His wisdom knew that when we do the comparison game, it robs our joy. It steals our satisfaction. It gives us worry and anxiety. It was so important, He included it in the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not covet. Don't get stuck in the comparison game. Listen to how Solomon talks about this comparison game in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. He says, Even so, I have noticed one thing at least that is good. It is good for people to eat, drink, and enjoy their work under the sun during the short life God has given them and to accept their lot in life. To enjoy your work and accept your lot in life, this is indeed a gift from God. See, Solomon understands that whatever we have, whether it's a lot or whether it's a little, we need to be content with it. We need to have the right mindset, the right perspective. And Solomon also recognizes here that because of our fallen nature, we need God's help to even do that. (laughs) He recognizes that contentment is a gift from God. It's a gift from God to accept your lot in life. See, the reality is everything that we have is from Him. Our homes, our jobs, our money, our families, our very lives are a gift from God. And the reality is that it's not only a gift, it's all His. We're not really the owners of any of it. We're just managing it. We're just stewarding it. And that changes everything when you have that perspective, but that's not how we normally think about it, is it? It makes me think of one of my kids right now who seems to be struggling with recognizing that everything she currently has is from mom and dad. I won't mention any names because I don't want to embarrass her, (coughs) Hannah, but we have this recurring issue in our home where I buy her a bag of Doritos. She loves Doritos. And then I ask her for one Dorito. And she says no. And I'm like, I just gave you the whole bag. I'm just asking for one, right? And we laugh, but I wonder how often God feels the same way when he asks us just to give a little bit back from everything that he's given us. It's all his. We're just managing it. And remembering that we're stewards and managers of the resources we have goes a long way with giving us the right mindset, and it keeps us from putting money on a pedestal. Because when we put money on a pedestal, it almost always leads to disappointment. In fact, if you continue to read chapter 5 in Ecclesiastes, you'll see that Solomon, as rich as he was, recognized that money had limitations. And he encourages us to focus on something that doesn't have limitations, and that is God and his faithfulness. See, Solomon recognized that God is the giver of all good things to us because he's gracious and because he's generous and he doesn't have limitations. He gives us the very air we breathe, the food we eat, our families, and more than anything, he gave his son to ransom us so that you and I could have a relationship with him. What an incredibly generous God we serve. I know this is a a difficult topic 
for some of us. Because I know for some of us, our finances have us in chains and they do cause worry and they do cause anxiety. Some of us, because it's, we have more than we need, but we still feel empty. We thought this would be it. And we're in a good place financially and we still feel hollow inside. For others, it's because we don't feel like we have enough. We're barely making ends meet and sometimes it feels hopeless. The truth is there is hope. And that leads us into our next point. Getting honest about our finances is one of the first steps to freedom. I want to say that again, guys. Getting honest about our finances is one of the first steps to freedom. Now, one application of getting honest about your finances is to know where the money is actually going. If you've never sat down and actually written out a budget so that you know how much is coming in and how much is going out, I would encourage you to do that. And I know it's not fun. I know it's tedious. And I know it can even be disheartening, but it's worth it. It will pay dividends for you if you will do that. In fact, we've created a three-week series at PursueGod.org to help you with that. One of the things that's in that series is how to build a budget. And so I would encourage you, if you do that with a mentor or with a small group or just with your family, but with someone, go through that exercise of creating a budget if you've never done it. Now, another application about uh, being honest where we stand in our finances is to understand just how dependent we are on money. How have we elevated it in our lifestyle. So I want to go back to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6. He said, wherever your treasure is, the desire of your heart will also be. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. So sometimes, guys, we just have to pause and take an honest look at our finances and ask some tough questions. Questions like, am I serving God or am I really serving money? How do we know? How do we evaluate that? Well, I want to give you some practical tips, some practical questions to ask. First, take an honest inventory of your financial values. What are your values as they relate to money? So here are some questions you can ask with that. Like, what is your opinion towards saving? What is your attitude towards being generous, towards giving stuff away? What is your general attitude about debt? When you come into extra money, what is the first thing you usually think about doing with it? So when you got your stimulus check, if you got one, did you think about paying off debt with it? Did you think about blessing someone else with it? Did you think about the new toy that you could buy? You know, I was so encouraged by several couples up in Logan who after the last round of stimulus checks reached out to me and said, hey, Pastor John, we'd like to give our stimulus check or at least part of it away to someone in need. Do you know anyone at the campus who could use some help? And I love to see God working through his people. I love to see his people being responsive. And I said, yeah, I know some families. And then I was privileged to take some money out to one of the families because the couple who was giving it wanted to remain anonymous. And so I, I show up at the door and I knock on the door and I've got $600 cash. And I give it to mom and dad and they start crying. And I'm going to try not to cry here too because it was pretty emotional. <laughs> but just the day before their car had blown up, the bill was $592. And they had no idea how they were going to pay it. And they had prayed about it the night before. And so as I'm giving them the money and as they realize what's going on, their daughter goes, Mom and Dad, see how God answered our prayer? 
What a powerful faith moment for that family and for that little girl. She'll never forget that. So I go back and I tell the couple who had given them the money, and they're crying, right? They're bawling. <laughs> Guys, look, there's nothing wrong with new stuff. There's nothing wrong with toys. Honestly, I think from time to time, God loves to bless us with those things, but I can tell you they will never bring the satisfaction that that couple experienced knowing that God had used them to be someone's miracle. And it's all because they had the right value about money. One last thing when we're taking this on as inventory is we need to look at our actual spending habits. This kind of goes along with the budget. We need to look at our spending habits. If you show me someone's calendar and their checkbook, I'll show you what's really important to them. Everyone under 30 is like, what's a checkbook? (laughs) But if you show me how people spend their time and their money, I'll show you what's really important to them. I just want to look at one more scripture as we wrap up. Matthew 6, 31 and 33, Jesus is talking here. He says, so don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink and what will we wear? Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. And man, if I'm being honest, I look at that and I say, those actually seem like pretty good things to worry about if I'm going to worry. Food to eat, clothes to wear. I can only imagine what Jesus would say to us because we have elevated worry about stuff to heights the disciples and the people who were there had no idea about. I mean, when's the last time you would worry about what you would eat? And choosing between Olive Garden and Texas Roadhouse doesn't count, right? Or when's the last time you worried about what you would wear? And again, choosing between Hollister or American Eagle doesn't count either. Jesus said, don't worry about these things. In fact, in verse 32, he says, for the pagans run after all these things. In other words, those who are far from God, those who don't know Jesus, they spend their life running after these things. Do you feel like you're always running? Do you feel like you're always chasing the almighty dollar? Friends, as we have a relationship with Jesus, we should not look like the world looks in this area of our lives. We should be pursuing God, not pursuing wealth. Again, I'm not saying wealth is a bad thing. Wealth can be a great thing that God uses, but what are we pursuing? And then I love verse 33 here because there's a promise to us in verse 33 that if we seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, he will give you everything you need. That says everything you need. It doesn't say everything we want. And God is God, so he gets to define what we need. We don't get to define it. But God is good. God has given us everything we have, and God gave us his everything at the cross. So we can trust him when he says he knows what we need, and he'll provide it. Guys, my hope and prayer for you is that you'll discover the right mindset on money because I know it will bring you peace and freedom. Now, some of you might be thinking, you don't know my situation, and you're right, I don't. But I know what it's like to have a mortgage. I know what it's like to support a wife and four children. I know what it's like to have two teenage boys who eat their body weight on a daily basis. I have a daughter on a traveling competitive volleyball team who has to buy an extra practice jersey because heaven forbid we just practice in an old shirt or last year's jersey. I, I know what financial pressure is like. But I've just learned over the years that God is faithful and God is generous. 
So I just want to close with this, and that's that I believe God wants you to be wealthy, but not wealthy the way the world says it. God wants you to be wealthy in the sense that he wants to adopt you into the richest family in history, his family. He wants you to be a child of the king, but there's a problem. We can't do that on our own. We have this issue in our lives called sin, right? And it's any time we choose to go our way instead of God's way. But because God is so generous, he gave his son who lived the perfect life that we couldn't, who went to the cross for us. And when we put our faith in him and his finished work on the cross and ask him to forgive us, we're adopted into God's family and the eternal riches that come with that. So if you have questions about that or questions about what your next step would be, we'll have leaders up front after the service. We'd love to pray with you. I'm sure the person who invited you here would love to have that conversation. For those of us who've already done that, I just pray that we would ask that God would give us the right mindset about money. Because if we're trusting in Jesus for our eternity, the least we can do is trust him with money. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you that you are the giver of all good things. I thank you, God, for the very breath that we have, because even that is from you. I thank you, God, that you gave your son to come and die on the cross for us so that we could have a relationship with you here on earth, but also for eternity. God, I just want to lift up anyone here today who is struggling with the right mindset about money. God, I pray that you would just just touch their heart, that they'd step out in faith. Because when they do, they're going to see they can trust you in this area of their life. They're going to see that you are faithful and that you bring peace and you bring joy and you bring satisfaction when we pursue you instead of pursuing wealth. God, we pray all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.